Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Appreciate the good singing. Aren't you thankful for what kind of man that Jesus is tonight? What a wonderful thing. I was listening to a preacher the other day, and he's talking about the thief on the cross. And he said that thief on the cross said, get to heaven one day, and he said, somebody look at him and say, hey man, how'd you get here? <laughs> he said, you didn't get baptized, you never was in synagogue. He said, you didn't do anything, you know, worth, uh, worthwhile to be able to earn a place to be here. And he said, how in the world did you get here? And he said, he'll look over at him and say, well, he said, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Amen. And you know what? One of these days, we'll find ourselves there, and if somebody asks you, how did you get here? I promise you this, it won't be because of your own merit, your own goodness. It'll be because the man on the middle of the cross said we could come. Amen? And I thank the Lord for that. And as we uh, think about the weeks uh, leading up to Easter, and you think about what Jesus did, we just had um, communion at our church last week, and thinking about the cross and all the glories of it, you wouldn't be here tonight had it not been for the cross. And you won't be on the other side in eternity had it not been for the cross and what Jesus did. And by the way, before you start adjusting your halo and thinking you're something, you didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve what he did. But because he's a merciful God, I'm thankful for that because if it were based on merit, we'd not have any chance. But because it's based on mercy, we're going to be there one day and behold him face to face. And I thank the Lord for that. So we praise the Lord for his goodness and his presence in the service. And I appreciate you being here tonight on a Saturday night. Amen. And uh, hopefully you don't say, well, I'm going to fill my time tonight and lay out tomorrow. No, you need to go to church tomorrow too, but I appreciate you being here tonight. And those of you that have faithfully attended the meeting, it's good to see uh, my good friends, Brother Randy and Brother Scott back there tonight. Many years uh, we were together over at Victory, had the uh, privilege of ministering there and uh, just making friendships that uh, last for a lifetime, even if we're not together. I thank the Lord for the bonds and how God knit our hearts together, and I appreciate all of you being here today. I don't know what kind of day you had, but I'm going to tell you, that I'm, I'm going to just address the weather here in Kentucky. What in the world are y'all doing? I was sitting at the hotel last night, and it said tornado watch, and I thought, what, what have y'all brought me into here? I come to Kentucky to die, so I'm sitting in a hotel. I, I'm clasped to the bed. Mike is sitting on my lap crying. I'm holding him, and uh, <laughs> I love you, son. Amen. I heard he was talking bad about me the other day, so I had to take my shots. Amen, Brother Paul. So. But uh, he's like, Daddy, I said, son, it'll be all right. And, uh, but uh, no, we survived the tornado watch. And then I got to go over today and eat some smoked brisket. Somebody say amen. Amen. I know you didn't, but I did. And smoked turkey and uh, some good stuff. And you know what? Today, for the first time, I had smoked cream cheese. Hey, I didn't even know that was a thing. And before you start criticizing that, don't, uh, don't criticize it before you try it. Oh, taste and see, and it'll change your life. So, uh, Amen. I, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop the store on the way home tonight and just grab a bar of cream cheese, throw it in the microwave, and y'all go to town on that thing. 
Probably won't be as good as what we had today, so uh, praise the Lord for the good day. And also, let's see here, is Bella in the service tonight with us? Where's she at? Hey, Bella, raise your hand back there. Yeah, that's exactly right. I went back just to speak to the girls a minute ago, and she was getting her hair braided, and she said, hey, don't mess up preaching tonight. And uh, yeah, so if you need some encouragement, just go talk to Bella, and she'll help you out. So I told her I was going to use her as an illustration tonight, but I've spared her from that, but uh, Bella, don't mess with the man with the microphone, okay? So uh, that's exactly right. Praise the Lord. So just thank God I'm not Brother Tim because he would bring you up here and strike you probably. So uh, I'm going to show mercy, amen? I'm going to show mercy. Exodus 15 tonight, Exodus 15. Some of you have experienced the wrath of that at uh, New Water, so especially his own sons, especially your pastor. So I will spare you that and just preach tonight. Exodus 15, let's jump into the Bible tonight. Again, I appreciate you being in church with us. And thank the Lord for His presence, as Brother Paul said last night, and maybe even reiterated it again tonight, we appreciate you being here, but if the Lord's not here, it's just all in vain, unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down and ministers to our hearts, and I trust tonight that you'll let the Lord do that for you. Uh, it's, it's, it's us, we are in need tonight. Uh, there's a lot of people that are in need, but you need to see yourself as one that is in need, uh, regardless of how long you've been saved or what position you are in the church We're all in need of the Lord, and we lack, and we need God to fill that. The Bible says if any man lack wisdom, well, wisdom's not the only thing that you lack in your life. You lack in a lot of ways, and I do too, and the only way we can get our needs filled is from the Lord, and so I trust tonight that you'll open your heart to Him. Exodus 15, and let's begin reading in verse number 1 tonight. The Bible says this, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare an habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also were drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says this, And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright as in heat, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Verse 10, he said, Thou didst blow with the wind. The sea covered them. They sank and led They sank, excuse me, as led in the mighty waters. Let's pray together. Father, we ask again for your help tonight. Many uh, prayers have been offered already, but we pray again for your touch in this service. I thank you for the Spirit of God being on the choir tonight. Even though the congregational music, I appreciate your presence. And Lord, I believe you love good singing. We read about Moses singing tonight. I believe, Lord, you can be exalted through that. But Lord, we pray tonight... In the preaching, you'd be exalted through your word tonight. I pray that you'd touch it. I pray that you'd help me to be used of you as a vessel. I pray that you'd meet the needs tonight that are represented, Lord, under this roof as only you can. We'll love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in Exodus 15, we find that God has brought the children of Israel to the place of crossing. And he brings them to the place of the Red Sea where he has done a work on their behalf. And if you read Exodus 15, here's what you'll discover, (laughs) that there are four different waters that God is using in the lives of the children of Israel in this passage. And tonight, uh, if the Lord had helped me, I want to walk you through 
of these waters and show you tonight how God is working in our lives and manipulating our circumstances to further His will in our life. And I want you to see that with me, if you would, as we walk through this text in Exodus 15 tonight. And as the story begins in Exodus 15, the Bible tells us Moses is singing a song. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that a song is sang in Scripture here in Exodus 15. And I want to say this, God's people have always had a song. And you know what? No matter what condition you're in, I'm thankful that God can put a song in our heart. And here we see Moses singing a song to the Lord about what God has done on his behalf. And Moses sings about the water, if you will, that God has brought them through and how he has miraculously brought them out of Egypt. And by the way, what a wonderful picture of salvation that is in Scripture that God brought them out of Egypt. You think about this, the blood was applied to that doorpost and as they gathered all their goods that night and they spoiled the Egyptians as the Bible tells us, uh, no doubt in my mind's eye they begin to, as they carried their stuff, they probably rubbed against the door and uh, as they did, had blood brush up against, uh, listen, uh, their, their garments and their clothing and as they walked out of Egypt that night, it was a blood-stained crowd that was leaving out of Egypt. It was a crowd, listen, covered by the blood that left uh, that place of bondage. And as they left bondage, here's what you find out, they immediately come to the Red Sea. It's a place of impossible crossing. And as they look behind them, they found out their enemies begin to quickly pursue. Isn't that just like the Christian life? Do you remember, the, you remember when you got saved? <laughs> and listen, you're just trying to make a break from the world. And I'm going to tell you what, that, that wasn't easy for a lot of us. Now, some of you got saved at a young age, but I remember as a teenager when I gave my life to the Lord trying to make a break from the people that I had, uh, you know, that I had uh, gathered with and become friends with. That was not an easy thing to do to just break away from them. And I, I remember the first night after our teen camp uh, was over with, on that Saturday we went out into this old white hoopty van, what we called it. The bottom floor was rusting out in it. It was really a bad testimony for the church to be driving around that thing, but we did. And they took us all to the very place with the hub of where we all hung out. I mean, it was Walmart and McDonald's. Amen. We were extremely cool people. People sat on their car hoods, some even in their 30s. They didn't have much of a life. They sat on their car hood, and it was just a happening place. And I remember that's where God... Uh, brought me to right after I'd give my life to him. And you know what? It was tough for me to get out where I normally was dressed like a heathen, come out that night in a shirt and tie and a Bible and made a break from the world. And it was a difficult thing to do. And here you find that, uh, listen, when the, they come out of Egypt, the enemies follow them. And when you got saved and tried to make a break from the world, you know what happened? You look behind you and the things that you left behind start coming after you. Did you experience that? I mean, you left it behind and said, I'm going to forsake it all. And as you started walking away, you look behind you and find out it's following you where you're coming. And that's exactly what the children of Israel are experiencing. As they had come out of this world, they're now faced with an impossible crossing and an impasse that they'll have to face. Four times in Exodus 15 tonight, I want you to see the water. And as we think about these waters, I want you to think about the waters of life tonight that we all go through. First of all, I want you to note number one tonight, I want you to see that they face big water. Number one tonight, they face some big water. In this passage, the water, when they came to the Red Sea, it was bigger than they were. It was deeper than they were. It was an impossibility that lay before them. Listen, big water that they could not cross 
and they had nowhere to go. The children of Israel were boxed in. If you know and read the passage, you find out by the mountains to the south, an Egyptian fortress to the north. Listen, Pharaoh's army behind them and a sea in front of them that was five miles long and 300 miles, listen, 300 feet deep in the center of it. It was an impossible impasse that they were at. The children of Israel, if you will, were trapped tonight by an impossible circumstance. They found themselves at a place of big water in their life that they could not get through. You know what tonight you find out sometimes in life? You find yourself on the threshold of big water. You find yourself on the threshold of some things that you can't do anything about by yourself. How many of you know sometimes you like to control? People, they call them control freaks, right? And they like to control everything. But you know what? There are some things in life you cannot control. And maybe things in your life have begun to fall apart and you found yourself at the threshold of big water. Maybe you went to the doctor's appointment and find out, listen, that you've got big water ahead of you. Maybe there's something in your heart tonight that you're dealing with and it's big water. And what the children of Israel saw when they were standing in front of that big water was this. They didn't see just the big water, but you know what they realized? They had a big God. And even though the waters may be big and impossible sometimes, the waters are not bigger than our God is. And as they faced that impossible task that was before them, they realized He was able to do something, that a big God was waiting to do a miraculous work in their life. Take your Bibles, look at Exodus 14. Exodus 14. God gave Moses a plan when they faced big water. And by the way, let me say this to you tonight. When you come to big water in your life, an impossible circumstance that you may face, you need to go there not of your own will and volition, but you need a plan from God. You say, what do I do when I face big water in my life? I'll give you a perfect plan that God laid out for Moses. Look at Exodus 14, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, and this was from God, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show to you today. From the Egyptians for whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again, no more, forever. Here's what the plan was. It was three, two, one. Listen, thirdly here, it starts at three. God says this, fear ye not. Three, two, one. Here's how the plan goes. Fear ye not. That was the first step. In other words, he said this, hey, realize something. God's in control. I know it don't look like we're ever going to make it. You can't swim that far. Millions of people can't just jump in the water and get across. But he said, I've got some things to say to you, and it's going to go three, two, one. Three is this, fear ye not. Two, here's what he said, stand still. Just stand still. Now, how many of you know when you begin to panic, the last thing you want to do is to stand still? I mean, and I know you probably don't ever overreact or ever panic, but I sometimes I am... Um, I'm a professional overreactor, all right, in some ways. And when you're put in a bad position and you begin to panic, the last thing you want to do is just not move at all. But that's what God said. He said, hey, just stand still. And the hardest thing to do sometimes is to just be patient and wait on God to work. Can I get a witness right there tonight? I mean, that's a tough thing to do. So Moses told him the plan from God. He said, three, it was fear ye not. Two, stand still. One was this. He said, see. You say, what were they to see? Well, I believe the message was this. Get your eyes off the circumstance and get your eyes on the Savior. Get your eyes off the circumstance and get your eyes off the Savior. You know the song that says God can make a way when there seems to be no way. 
That's the God you serve. He's not just the God of the Old Testament in Exodus 15. That's the same God in 2023 that we serve. That God can make a way when there seems to be no way at all. And what we've got to learn to do is fear you not, stand still, and see the salvation of God. In other words, you've got to get your eyes off your problem and get it on the solution. And that's your Savior tonight. We're all guilty. Listen, we're all guilty of just being obsessed by the things in life that drive us crazy and the problems. And all that does is beat us down when if we'd get our eyes on the Savior, we'd realize He could do something about it. I remember reading a story some time ago, and you probably heard it, but it was a wonderful story about how God gets involved in impossible circumstances. They said in 1924, I don't know who was alive then, but in 1924, I'm just kidding, okay, calm down. 1924, the Dallas Theological Seminary was facing bankruptcy. They said the creditors had come in and called in the debts and banded together and threatened to foreclose the college by noon on a certain day. Well, when the school got that news, they realized they were in trouble. They had to raise $10,000 by noon on a certain day, and had they not done it, uh, the school was going to be closed down by the creditors. And so that morning, uh, the president got uh, his founding leaders together and said, men, we've got to pray for God to do something. He said, we need $10,000 or they're going to shut our doors. He said, we need God to give it to us by 12 o'clock. Now, by the way, I'm thankful we can pray and talk to God. And sometimes those prayers are not time sensitive. But how many of you know sometimes you go to God and say, Lord, I love you and I know you're my father, but I need, I need you to do this. And Lord, I need it today. <laughs> I need it right now. And you know what I'm glad God can do? God, God is not bound by circumstances. And when we bring a specific need to him, I'm glad God is able uh, to meet that. And these men come to God and said, well, we've got to pray. And uh, they took it to the Lord and began to pray. In the meeting that day was a very well-known preacher by the name of Harry Ironside. And in that meeting, they asked him to pray. And he just prayed a very profound but memorable prayer to God. And here's what he said. He said, Lord, he said, we know that you own the cattle of a thousand hills. And he said, God, he said, we need you to sell some of them cows and give us some money today. Lord, we're in trouble. And that's what he prayed. And by the way, he was as serious as he could be. You know what he realized? God's got everything that he needs. Hey, God has got everything that we need. And he said, Lord, you got the cattle of a thousand hills. I need you to sell some of those cattle and give us some money. Well, while they were praying, by the way, if you're a critic and a doubter, you just don't know the kind of God that we know tonight. Because it's nothing for God. If God can part the Red Sea and shut the mouths of lions and spare Jonah in the belly, listen, of the well, then God can do anything. He can do anything. And as they were in that prayer meeting, they said a Texas cattleman come into the business office, and here's what he told them. He said, I just sold two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth, Texas. I've been trying to make a business deal go through. He said, and it has not worked out. He said, I just feel like God is compelling me to give this money to the seminary. He said, I don't know if you need it or not. He said, but here's a check. The secretary just, her eyes widened because she knew the need of the hour and the men were in the prayer meeting. She took that check and walked immediately to the prayer room where they were praying, knocked on the door, said, sir, we just got a check in the business office. The president opened up the check and looked at it. <laughs> and you know what it was? It was for the exact amount that they needed, $10,000. And you know what that president took note of? That it was from a cattle rancher. And he went over and he got Harry and he said, Harry, here's the exact words. He said, Harry, God sold the cattle and just waved the check in the meeting. You know what God did? God provided in an impossible situation just what they needed. 
And if God can sell some cattle on a thousand hills, you know what God can do? He can beat your need tonight. You say, God never do that for me. Have you ever asked Him to? Have you ever been facing big waters and thought, God, I don't know what to do and realize He's a big God. As a matter of fact, when things are over our head, they're under His feet. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And God can bring you through those big waters that seem impossible to cross. Tonight, we see the children of Israel, they faced big water. You may be there tonight. I want you to notice next in our text, Exodus 15. Look with me in verse 22, if you would. The Bible says this. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness. The Bible says, and so they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness, and notice this phrase, and found no water. Isn't it just like the Lord <laughs> that you're about to drown one minute and you're thirsting to death the next? The Red Sea was big water, but in verse 22, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see they face barren water. Barren water. Sometimes God will bring you to a place of barrenness in life. And you know what you'll find out when you get there? Let me just help you. When you get to a place of barrenness in your life, if you're not careful, you'll begin to mistake that and think that you're backslidden. Because life is barren, you begin to look at yourself and think, well, I must be out of the will of God. No, you know what? You're not backslidden. It's just barrenness in life. Hey, that, by the way, weariness in life don't equate to wickedness. Just because somebody's weary does not mean they're wicked. Just because somebody's barren don't mean they're backslidden. And that's where they found themselves in life. Hey, you ever read the story of 1 Samuel? And the Lord had shut up the womb of Hannah, and she found herself in a time of barrenness. She was not backslidden. She was simply barren. And God will bring you to those big waters. Listen, in life, He'll also lead you to those barren waters where it's a dry place, and you wonder sometimes, where is the God of the Red Sea? Ever been there before? And by the way, when you find yourself there, you need to realize this. God has a purpose for leading us through barren times in life. We don't ask for them. We don't enjoy them. But God, listen, has a purpose for it. Let me say this to you. Anybody can worship when you're walking through the Red Sea. Anybody can worship when you've got walls of congealed water that you're walking through and it's a miracle. But real faith comes in when you step out into the wilderness and there's not a drop of water that can be found. But you still believe God is who He said He is. And you keep walking by faith. There'll be seasons of life when God shuts off the water supply and we've got to walk by faith. Hey, you remember this? Remember whenever you first got saved and you sat in a church service and it didn't matter what they sang? Hey, and it didn't matter what the sermon was. I mean, it was joy unspeakable and full of glory in your heart. The preacher could have got up and said, Hershey bars, and you took a lap around the church. I've seen some people that are like that. I mean, I've seen some people that are spiritually deranged in their mind and some young preachers, man, that'll just pull their tie off and go wild around the building. I don't know if God's in it or not, but they're, they're, they're excited. I, I appreciate their zeal, but there's been times you get in church and God is just overwhelming your heart in the pew you're sitting in and you just can't stand it. And you find yourself later on in life and you come and you sit in that same pew and you hear that same song and you hear a similar sermon, but on that occasion, God does nothing for you. It's just dry. It's just barren. And you look to your left and to your right, and people are weeping all around you, and you're sitting there dried up, and you're thinking, God, what's going on? Why am I not feeling you like I used to feel you? Do you understand where I'm coming from tonight? 
I mean, have you ever been in a place of just barrenness where you didn't know what to do? You got to learn in this life, it's not just living from miracle to miracle, but it's learning to trust God even when you can't sense what He's doing in life. Hey, sometimes that's why people are in and out and up and down is because we want to we wanna keep in those Red Sea experiences, but we got to realize that sometimes that God will walk with us in places of barrenness just as much. Hey, He'll walk with us in the barren waters as He does in the big waters of life. And tonight, I want to say this to you, oftentimes you find yourself there and you're tempted to quit. That drought maybe that you find yourself in, you're tempted to give up. But can I just submit to you tonight, if you find yourself in a place of barrenness in God, I just hadn't felt you. Hadn't the choir been a blessing this week? I've just been here for two nights. But in the music, God's been stirring. And if you've sat there and not been blessed by that, then maybe you can look and think, God, what's going on? And Why don't I feel that? When you find yourself there, can I encourage you to do something? Just stay in God's house. Hey, stay on your knees and stay in God's Word because I promise you this, He's got a purpose in the times of barrenness of life. Don't you notice something? In verse 22, the Bible says that Moses brought them, that, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. Now, it's interesting, the word shore here, that word literally means walls. And we could actually say they went into a wilderness of walls, if you will. Hey, God took them to a place where they were walled in, where they were closed up. They were in a place where there's no doors and only walls. You ever felt like you've been there before? I'm just walking around looking for a way out, and all I can see are the walls that have surrounded me. And sometimes we try and get ahead, but to no avail. But we got to learn to trust God in those times of barrenness. Let me show you something else that's interesting in this passage. In verse 22, the Bible says, And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now, this is important to note, because the Bible does not say there was no water there. The Bible says they found no water. Now, could it be that there was water there and God had it veiled from their eyes? I believe the answer to that question is yes. You say, why? Because if you turn your Bibles and don't do it now, but if you look in Genesis chapter 16, you find out there's a woman by the name of Hagar. And you know where she found herself? In the wilderness of Shur. How about that? And she's resting by a fountain in the wilderness of Shur, drinking from the well of water. But God had veiled their eyes from the water and they couldn't see it. You know what? It's not always time to drink. Sometimes it's time to trust. It's difficult in those times of barrenness. Hey, we're looking for a drink, and God, where is it? And Hagar got one, and God said, it's not time to drink right now, it's just time to trust me in where I've put you. And you may be in that place tonight, and you're not sure what's going on, and you're dry, and it's barren. Hey, can I ask you this? Would you just be faithful? Would you just trust that God has a reason for putting you where He's put you. And when you can't feel Him, and oh, well, listen, when you can't see Him, and oh, when He's not evident to you, trust that He's just trying to grow your faith in those barren places, in the barren water of life. Now look with, look with me, if you will, at verse 23. You're doing good tonight. We're not going to the Mexican restaurant because they got real food over there tonight. Can I get a witness? I about got in trouble last night because it said Mexican restaurant and we had pizza. And so I'm not making that mistake tonight. We got food over there, so don't go nowhere tonight. Amen? We got food for you. But notice in verse 23, the Bible says this. And when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were what, church? They were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, 
what shall we drink? Well, you know what you find out in life sometimes? You get saved and there's times we find ourselves on the edge of big waters. It's impossible to cross and we can't, listen, we can't get through it by ourselves. And then other times in life, you find yourself at the threshold of barren water of God. What have I done wrong? And why don't I feel you the way that I used to feel you? Why am I not getting drink like I used to get a drink? And I'm going to tell you this. If you've been saved long enough, you've been there before. And if you've not, hey, listen, you may be there tonight. I don't know, but you'll find yourself in a place of barren waters. But then tonight, sometimes you find yourself at the threshold of what we see here. It's bitter water. Bitter water. And can I say this to you? Water in itself is not bitter. It's not. And water, all water is basically the same. It's what's been added to that water that makes it bitter. And can I say this about life? Life's not a bitter thing, but it's the things that are added into this life that sometimes causes our hearts and lives to allow bitterness to take place in it. Hey, things get put into our experience that start out innocent. People come and go and we make choices that are there, listen, put into our lives. And sometimes uh, those things cause us to become bitter. And some of you, listen, have had things put in your life, trials that you didn't sign up for, burdens that you didn't volunteer to carry. Can I get an amen tonight? Things that you faced that you didn't know what was going on. And in that experience, you found yourself in a place of just being bitter. By the way, I've been there before. I've been in church before and just been bitter. I've been bitter because maybe it wasn't God, but it was because of somebody else I was sitting in church with. You say, I can't believe that. Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, I can lie and tell you I've been perfect. Sometimes I look across church and I'll be like, I can't stand them, God. I start praying those prayers of David. Kill them, Lord. That's a paraphrase, but that's pretty much what David said. Smite them, God. Smite them, Lord. And I've been bitter. And you know what? If I'm not careful, if I put on my floaties and say, I'm going to swim in this water for a while, then you can die there if you're not careful. You can get bitter and that root can settle in and you can get yourself in trouble. You find yourself sometimes in a place where everything was going right and all of a sudden you had a, a mishap with somebody. Maybe you exchanged words with another believer or had a falling out. If you're not careful, sometimes bitterness can set in and you can be in a place where it looks like everything's all right, but it's bitter waters. You've got to be careful that you find yourself there. And the, the question tonight is this, what do you do with bitter water? How do you fix that? How do I get those things out of my life that just have contaminated me? How do I fix it? Well, I'm glad you asked because the Bible tells us in verse 25. In verse 25, Scripture says this, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which he cast into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. Moses reached for a tree during his bitter water. God told him, he said, if you'll take that tree and you'll put it in the water, he said the bitter waters will become sweet. And you know what? If there's bitterness in your life tonight, you know what the cure is? It's the cross. It's the cross. Hey, you can go to all the measures you can to work out your own difficulties. At the end of the day, if you really want help, you've got to come to the tree. You've got to come to the cross. You know, what? you know what it can do? It can root bitterness out of your life. It can take that bitterness that you've got in your heart. By the way, I've been in enough church services and looked at enough faces that, are, that put on a good hypocritical smile for church, but in their heart, you know what they're swimming in? Bitter waters. Bitter waters. You know what? If you want to see revival, well, you've got to reach for the tree. 
Because if you're not careful, if you, if you just decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live here, you know what you'll do? You won't just affect yourself, but those that are around you. Contaminate them. He reached for the cross. Moses took that tree, the illustration of it, and listen, made the bitter water sweet. And here's what I'm glad the Bible did not say. He did not say the tree made the bitter waters bearable. He did not say the waters become drinkable. He said the waters became sweet. In other words, some of us are just getting through our problems in life, but the cross can make your problems sweet. Hey, when the cross is introduced to bitterness, it not only allows you to manage difficulties, but it brings a sweet savor in the midst of the problems that you find yourself in. You ever heard this before? Sometimes in order to realize the worth of an anchor, you've got to feel the stress of the storm. And you know what? God revealed to the children of Israel that He is the anchor in their life. He could do it for them. And, and you know, uh, oftentimes Christians, and what we, I've seen it so often, I, I won't get too personal just because of live stream, uh, but I've seen people that are close to me that uh, things have happened in their life and they blame God for something. Maybe their family fell apart or something didn't go the way they thought would, and they got bitter. And you know what? Some of them have never come back. You know what? The sweetness of their life dried up, and they're just a contaminated, hateful, bitter person. You know what they're doing? They're just existing. They're just breathing. What kind of life is that? What kind of life is that? Hey, to live a bitter life is a terrible way to live. But tonight, if you'll reach out for the tree and put it in those bitter waters of your heart, God can make it sweet again. He can do that for you. And tonight, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's not an easy thing to say, well, I'm just going to go to the altar, and you know, Lord, I'm just pull the tree. But you know what? God, God can help you get through those things that make life so bitter. Well, look with me tonight in verse 27. I want you to see that God brought them through big water where he worked miracles on their behalf. He brought them through barren waters where, uh, listen, they could find no help, only uh, that God was just maturing them in that time, and then they come through the bitter waters where the difficulties of life are sometimes added to us, but the cross gives us what we need to endure. But you know what I'm thankful for? That's not the end of the water. Because sometimes, listen, you find yourself at a place where you can't get through it. There's none there. Sometimes it's bitter, but then in verse number 27, here's what you find out. The Bible says this, and they came to Ilium, where there were 12 wells of water, and three score and 10 palm trees, and the Bible says they encamped there by the waters. You know what they discovered here? They discovered there was an oasis of provision just on the other side of their circumstances. You ever been in a place before and you thought, Lord, I don't know that we're ever going to get through the other side of this. And there's the Red Sea and you think, God finally got us through that. And then you get to a place where there's nothing. And then you get to a place of bitterness and you think, God, is this all life has to offer? But you know what I'm thankful? The answer to that question is no. Because here's what you find out. There's 12 tribes of Israel and there's 12 wells of water. And if I didn't know any better, I think God just custom built those wells. Listen, for every tribe that showed up, in that place on this day. It was a custom-built provision that God had for them. You know what God did? He carried them to the big water, and then He carried them to the, bitter, uh, to the barren waters, and then to the bitter waters. You know what happens? Then they found themselves at a place of blessed waters in their life. 
And God brought them to a place in verse 27, listen, where it was a wonderful oasis of provision. And the reality of it is this, we're going to taste all kinds of water in, in the life that we're living tonight. Well, listen, we're going to experience all types of it, but I want you to rejoice in this tonight that God has put some of us in a place of blessed water. Listen, as a matter of fact, He's dug out a place, He's scooped out a place in your life, and it's been filled with His glorious, blessed provision. And that's where they found themselves. It was a place you can rest your feet in the water and know that God has brought us safe thus far. And you know what you need to realize tonight? For just a minute, that some of you are sitting here, listen, in this church service tonight with your family. Hey, you got your kids next to you. You got your grandkids. You know what you need to realize tonight? That's blessed water that you're swimming in. Hey, some of you got a spouse tonight that loves you, and they love the Lord. You know what that is? That's blessed waters. Some of you, God's made connections in your life and given you people that have loved you. Hey, made a fellowship, listen, that has lasted for lifetimes. and People that God's put in your life to encourage you. Hey, those are blessed waters. You're in a church tonight where the Spirit of God showed up and He's here to encourage, He's here to help. That's blessed waters. And tonight we need to realize that uh, none of us are without problems in life, but in the middle of those things you need to realize that sometimes God just tailor-makes a well for you to swim in and it's full of His blessings. And that's where we are tonight, in the blessings of God. These blessed waters that He's put us in. And tonight we often get our eyes off those things. We often forget just how good God is, don't we? You ever thought about the, the prodigal son? And what he did, and of course, we know the story so well there in Luke 15. But we also know the story of the older brother. And we also know that when the prodigal got home and the party that was thrown, and the older brother was mad, and he come to his father and complained. You know what his problem was? Can I just tell you what his problem was? Hey, listen to me. I want you to look right here. He forgot just how good that he had it. He forgot how that every single day, he pulled up a chair to the Father's table. He had fellowship with the Father. He had provisions, listen, of the Father in his life. You know what happens sometimes with us? We forget how good we have it. Hey, we look around and find so many things to complain about, but if you just look around tonight in your life and realize you've got it better than you deserve. Hey, you should be out on a Saturday night somewhere hung out under a bridge, hey, on your way to hell, but Jesus came by and, listen, spoke into your life and you're saved tonight by the grace of God, swimming in blessed waters, and God's been good to you, and sometimes we just forget how good we have it. And tonight, I want to tell you to take a good look at the water that surrounds your life, because you'll find problems in every part of it, but you know what you will find? You'll find the blessings of God. You'll find the oasis of His blessing that He's put in your life Man, we ought not ever get over that. We ought to be thankful for the good things that God has done in our life. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. 
If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.